Welcome to Fifth Wall's Fly on the Wall podcast, where we explore the shifts occurring in real estate, technology, and society that are driving our cities towards a more equitable, green, and tech-enabled future. I'm your host, Brendan Wallace. In today's episode, I catch up with Harvey Spivak, executive chairman and partner at luxury fitness company Equinox. Harvey shares the company's integrated approach to fitness and wellness, why it believes the future of fitness is omnichannel, and touches on the company's acquisition of SoulCycle. He also shares details on Equinox's real estate strategy, including how it approaches the branding of wellness and fitness in physical spaces, and its expansion into hotels, spas, and virtual classes. Enjoy the conversation. Harvey, thanks so much for joining. Where are you uh, coming in from today? Pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, coming in from uh, New York, from Long Island. Nice. Um, well, I, I always love conversations with you because you have such a, I think, big and, and grand vision around just like the future of fitness and, and wellness um, in building Equinox. I'd love to hear, because I don't think everyone knows it, what's the founding story of Equinox? Like, how did it, how did it get formed and where did it begin? So uh, it was formed on the Upper West Side of Manhattan back in 1991. And it was formed by uh, three siblings, two brothers and a sister, who at the time saw an opportunity where you had basically what we used to call aerobic studios, kind of a little bit, candidly, the Jane Fonda era. And you had pumping iron gyms for guys like you. And so... The, they saw an opportunity to bring the two together, but in a more experiential, well-designed, service-oriented type um, environment. And from there, it became the beginning of Equinox. So that was in 1991, so almost, almost 30 years ago. And uh, early on, it was small, and it was 8,000 square feet and completely oversubscribed. And so what the family did was they started, and you'll appreciate this from a real estate perspective, they started moving to the next building. So they would punch through the wall to the building to the north. And you can only do this in New York, punch to the, through the wall to the building to the, to the west. And ultimately cobbled together around 22,000 square feet over time and had what was the beginning of early success. I actually owned some sneaker stores in the city. And I was located right around the corner. So we got, myself and the family got to know each other very well from going back to 1991. And they had early success, but they didn't really know where to, to go with it. And so in 1998, I saw an opportunity. I was involved in building and operating, uh, really conceptualizing, developing and operating Chelsea Piers. Saw an opportunity to take Equinox and build it into a national, ultimately a global lifestyle brand. And so I joined the family in 1998 and then let a buyout in 2000 um, and then started, you know, growing nationally starting in 2001 when we first came to uh, Pasadena in Los Angeles County. Us wow. New Yorkers think Pasadena is LA and, and, and we, we still hold two to that. Just like we put Orange County and LA together. But, uh, but that was, the, so, first, that that was, was the first outside of New York. But yeah. that was actually, that was intentional because we had only operated in New York and we didn't know how to operate 3,000 miles away. 
And in LA, as you'll appreciate, when you go, come to LA and you're on Broadway, you better have your act together because it's an unforgiving market. New Yorkers are actually a little bit more patient. Angelino's not. And so we decided, let's go off Broadway. Let's get our feet wet a little bit off the grid in Pasadena. We had great early success before we then ultimately opened in West Hollywood a couple of years later. Wow. And then, you know, the, from there, the brand just took off in Los Angeles. And, you know, one of the things that, that is always so remarkable to me about whenever I enter an Equinox is like this concept of a gym, which everyone knows a gym, like where you go to get fit or, you know, do cardio. The concept feels so experiential and so thoughtful, like lighting, mirrors, placement, design. How original was that at the time? And like, I guess, related question, why was it so original? Why had no one conceived of this, you know, the, the concept of wellness and fitness can really be branded in physical space? Why was that so original? You know, I can't answer why nobody else thought about it, but we saw an opportunity to inspire people a different way. I mean, you know, there's different quality of treadmills, and of course we have the best, but other people have the same treadmill. There's not, there's not many different manufacturers. And so where we saw our opportunity to differentiate was to, you know, create a, a, an environment where Brandon is inspired. He's inspired by the service level, the design, you know, you talk a lot about the attention to detail, the cleanliness. Over the years, you know, 30 years long, when we ask our members what you love most about Equinox, they'll talk about cleanliness, number one, every time. You know, yes, they love the staff. Yes, they love the design. Yes, they love the lighting, like you mentioned, the mirrors and the equipment. And, but it's the cleanliness. You, nobody can own cleanliness. And so what we started doing was we started choreographing what is the Equinox experience. And we back then started talking about the word experience, which is now, you know, commonplace, but we talked about member experience. And that's the buzzwords that ultimately everybody started embracing many years later. But that's where we were so focused. We were focused on how do we inspire Brandon when he walks in? I want to be here. I want to be here because it, 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 it's good for me. It's going to inspire me to work out and be healthy and achieve my goals and maximize my potential. That's how we talk about it today. But also because it's with, I'm with like-minded people. I'm inspired by, you know, that person to the left or that person to the right, whether how they look or how they're behaving or the progress that I've seen them make, you know, and, and you start building a community. And I remember, you know, since we're in this, you know, new period of crisis, I remember 9-11 so well. And we, one of the things that we've always done very well with a lot of pride is, you know, it, we don't have bad weather and, and crisis at Equinox. We, we, we really try to be there for our members because we're such a part of the community and such part of their daily lifestyle. It's just so important to them. So 9-11, the next day, we reopened everywhere we, we were legally allowed to. So some of our downtown clubs, including a club we had on Wall Street, we couldn't open um, by police mandate. But there were lots of parts of the city that still had power uptown. And I remember we moved our corporate office you know, last year to Hudson Yards, but I remember our old corporate office at 19th and Broadway. Um, I think you might have even been there, but at 19th and Broadway, where we opened our club in Flatiron District in 1993, I remember walking the club the next day, and you could see how the members that were in the club, how emotional it was for them to be and see Wow, there's Brandon. I don't know. I don't know his name. I've never known his name. But for two years, I've been running next to him on the treadmill. You know, New Yorkers just nod, right? It's cool to nod. It's not cool to you know know someone's name, right? That's not cool. And so to see, but to see that the community together was so powerful, 
And so I think when you think about it, we've choreographed this experience to inspire that community, which, you know, is a lot of the buzzwords now you hear today and what people are talking about going forward. But, you know, we, we kind of led that conversation for many years in creating a lifestyle for people. And, and it's so interesting to think about that in the context of 9-11, like the, the power of continuing these um, daily rituals, these lifestyle rituals that we have and how powerful and how profound that can be. And I, I do want to come back to that because you, you mentioned cleanliness and that's a big point of intersection um, between the two. But I feel like Equinox has been so bold and so audacious in how it's kind of looked to expand beyond purely fitness, which is probably how most people think about it. And I'm curious how you think about the different components of that, because I, I know that you're very active investors in, in brands. Obviously, you now have a hotel. You've had spas in your gyms for a while. You, you host classes. You're now you know, operating in a virtual environment. What is that, that grand vision? Like, how would you articulate that grand vision around what Equinox becomes? You know, look, I mean, I, I think right now we're at, we've become a portfolio of brands, right? Equinox, SoulCycle, Blink Fitness, Equinox Hotels now. We've got our digital offering, the, the you know, doing business, at, I mean, as various by Equinox, but our, the corporate, you know, entity, Equinox Media, and that's a separate team. You know, a lot of it's inspired around where we can leverage our brand equity and our competencies to satisfy, you know, our appetite as entrepreneurs to grow. I mean, we just have a voracious appetite to grow. And, and it's really interesting because back in the early, in the late 1990s, when I first got involved in Equinox and even to early 2000 period, trying to raise capital was difficult. And you would go to institutional sources and they would say, you're, you're a gym. I don't, I, I know you're different, but you're still a gym and I don't, I, I'm not giving you any money. I've been burned before. Right. You know, and, and it's, and still to this day, it's very mom and pop and there's not a lot of good financial success stories, unfortunately, which is part of the opportunity that we've had. So you had that. And then the real estate community, you said, you want to put what into my building? That's crazy. You're going to damage my building. I remember in San Francisco, we took over the old Pacific coast stock exchange at the corner of Pine street and Samsung. And that's a and building, by the way. I've seen amazing I've, I've building out there. It's stunning with the bank vault door in the basement. Correct. It's yeah. amazing. So when we went to the landlord, we were literally driving around San Francisco for our first location. I saw in the window an old traditional for rent sign. And I said to our broker, what about that? He says, oh, you don't have a shot at that. And I said, get us in front of the landlord. The landlord didn't even want to take a meeting because you want to put what into my building? I've got this, you know, amazing building that's, you know, epic peaks of real estate. And you want to do what? And then fast forward to where we are today where, you know, pandemic aside, the desire to put money into a company like ours, the desire for us to be an amenity or anchor, whether it be the Equinox brand or SoulCycle, you know, has never been stronger. And I think that we've led a lot of that conversation over the years. Um, and so when you say, well, where are we taking Equinox? We want to accelerate, pandemic aside, we want to accelerate what we already do really well, but we also want to transform into a you know physical and digital company which we were doing we're not doing because of the pandemic we were already on that path as you know um, prior to the pandemic so if you think about how people now are thinking about their lives one of the things that we've always been really good at is anticipating what the consumer wants i'm a big believer is you know you don't follow the puck you anticipate where the puck's going and and so we've done that really well equinox fitness club's a good example of that SoulCycle is a great example of that, you know, recognizing the emerging trend around boutique 
um, and doing it in, in, a, in a very unique way. And most recently, Equinox Hotels, and now we're doing digitally, are examples of that. You know, the consumer, you, you're the target consumer. You've moved to a no days off mindset. Seven days a week, you're engaging in fitness because, not because I just want to look and feel good, it's part of my lifestyle. It's just, it's, it, you know, and, and part of getting, like, let's say, New York back open, which we're opening uh, September 2nd, Part of that in the conversation with Governor Cuomo was, don't look at us as a gym or a club. You gotta think about us as part of the daily lifestyle. And if you want people to come back to New York, if you want people to come back to LA, if you want people to come back to Boston, where a lot of people have left, you need to give them those things that are part of their daily lifestyle. Otherwise, they're gonna live somewhere else. And I think people are craving that like continuity around their, their habits. And you know, when you Agreed. mentioned the San Francisco location, I think about also your Wall Street location, where again, it's such an iconic building. You can almost see the, the old bank infrastructure built right into the asset. And it has this like, it almost feels like a, this sounds almost weird to say, but it feels like a, like a church. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a ritual that you're returning to. And you mentioned SoulCycle and the acquisition of SoulCycle. And I feel like that was, at least for me, a moment to glimpse like, wow, the, the vision of this company is very, very big. Can you just walk me through like, what was the thinking behind acquiring SoulCycle and, and where did that idea originate? So it, it, it's really interesting. Um, you know, we all have lots of consultants we talk to and, and back in, I'll go back to 9-11 again. So 9-11 occurs and if you think about a business like ours, if you were an investor or lender, you'd say this company's in trouble, right? We were New York-centric at the time, heavily uh, focused on the financial industry in terms of our, who our members were. Luxury positioned, discretionary category. No longer discretionary, but back then discretionary. That is not exactly a winning hand, if you think about it, with high fixed costs, right? A lot of rent, um, big, big labor force. And so when, 2008, I'm sorry, this is the Great Recession. 2008 hits, October, Lehman goes down, or Lehman first, then Bear Stearns. Our team's looking at us like, what does this all mean? And we had a record year in 2008. So now you say, okay, 2009, what's gonna happen? I remember walking into a board meeting in February of 2009, saying to our board, I don't know if we're gonna be able to service our debt. This could be really bad. We'll just see what happens. And nobody believed me. Now, I was doing it because I wanted to buy our debt at a discount. Um, I wasn't doing it because I believed it either. But nonetheless, 2009 was a flat year for us. So flat with minus 4% comps, if you think about it like a retailer. Flat with minus 4% comps compared to anybody in the retail sector was phenomenal, like off the charts performance, like heroic performance. So we started in the summer of 2009 saying a recession of this magnitude, just like you and I were talking before we started, creates a lot of opportunity. Adversity creates opportunity. You just gotta find the opportunities, be disciplined about the opportunities. So we created ourselves one piece of paper that we still have in my office today and one of these days I'll frame it, called the Spectrum of Growth Opportunities. And basically what we said is, what do we already do? What opportunities are out there? And how do we wanna think about it? And we, and, we, and we kind of scaled it to say, what's the bigger EBITDA opportunity? What's, you know, got a lot of capital intensity? What's higher risk? What's lower risk? And coming out of that one pager, we said, 
we got a bunch of opportunities. We can be a little bit more inquisitive than we've been in the past, even though in our industry, directly as, 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 as clubs, there's not a lot of stuff that we'd want to buy. We can, boutique is an emerging category that we should play in. And, we, and while we haven't been inquisitive in the past, should we buy or we build? And then lastly, in terms of segmenting the landscape, we're already high in luxury of Equinox. Boutique is not luxury, but it's more that same demographic. We saw an emerging trend with kind of high volume type gyms, you know, similar to like a plant fitness. And we said, but being in the middle is a bad place to be. And so we embarked on the strategy, which was profiting from the core. Um, so adding more Equinox clubs, grabbing real estate at much more affordable prices, which is a similar opportunity that we have in front of us, you know, in the coming years, you know, um, especially with increased demand for wellness and fitness, but accelerate demand, accelerate growth that way. What else can we do to provide as programs, services, or products to our members do that? And then let's launch these other businesses or acquire something. And so that led to 2011, where we had a transformational year. We definitely grabbed uh, a lot of new locations, real estate-wise. We launched Blink Fitness, which has become a big success story for us in the high volume category, low price. We acquired SoulCycle, and we acquired Sports Club LA, which at the time was our only real competitor. We did that all in 2011. Wow. Coming planning through the recession and then executing. So similar to, you know, you were saying about for an investment strategy, similar thinking. Right. And, it, and, and, and the overarching theme was, we've always been a high growth company. Let's stay true to what we know and where our competencies are. And we probably think we're better at more things than we really are. But at the same time, let's make sure we're a high growth company for years to come. And as you know, as the base gets bigger, it's higher, it's harder to keep the growth percentages up. So you gotta do more things. Yeah. And, you know, that served us extremely well. And in integrating all those things, you know, one of the things that's so apparent to me is I, I just got off uh, a chat with Jamie Hadari at uh, Industrious and how you have integrated together around that space. And I think about um, when I stayed at the, the Equinox Hotel in New York, it's almost like something you and I talk a lot about omnichannel, right? That like fitness and wellness is not something you just do in the physical space of the gym. That might be the core of it, or that might be the most habitual way you experience it. But there's something that is about touching the consumer in all the places they are at all times, all the way down to the phone, which I feel like COVID has kind of thrust on the consumer now. How did you think about making all of that consistent? Because it does feel so consistent today. Was that like the first kernel of omnichannel wellness in your mind? Like, uh, I wouldn't say just yet. I, I think the way I would look at it is at the core of what we do and the success we have is our people. Yeah. And, you know, we have a employee population of about 20,000 employees. So, you know, we're, we're a big employer and it becomes cultural in terms of who you attract, who stays and who carries the flag forward. But it starts with the leadership. And we've been very fortunate to have very strong leaders, a lot of stability in, that, in those leadership ranks over the years. And so some of them are newer, like when we went to hotels, we hired the president and COO of Four Seasons to be our hotel CEO, but made sure very much he believed in the vision. He was an Equinox member in Toronto. And he was a, you know, and he was a gym rat his whole life. So it was part of who he is. 
So one of my favorite questions I ask people when I interview them, particularly senior people, why do you want to do this? Why Equinox? And it's pretty amazing when people come to interview you and you think they're prepared, some people stumble with that. And other people, it's just like, it's just because it's just, it's natural. That's the person we want. And that's why we've oftentimes hired best athletes versus, you know, the resume. Right. Um, and, 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 and that's served us really well. And now if you think about where, where we're now transforming, we've definitely said, hey, we want to connect the dots. The vision behind that was twofold. One was we want to be where community wants us and how they want us and when they want us. So if Brennan is a avid Equinox member, when he travels, he doesn't want to disrupt his routine. It's actually even more amazing when you're on the road and you get your Equinox workout, not just some shitty, I don't know if I can use such bad language, um, uh, workouts that you get at most. our hotel gym. Correct. Thank you. Appreciate that. Clean me up. Um, and so I think when you start thinking about that, people love. And so we saw that people were staying at hotels that were inferior so they can get their Equinox experience when on the road. So going back to what I was saying is you start seeing this community wants to move hotel. We created something called Equinox Explorer, which is our trips. Right. And so we've got the network of clubs and the more we built out the network, the more you see people moving around from location to location. But now if you start following the and anticipating where the consumer is going, which we started about a year and a half, about two years ago, we saw that there was a little bit of a trend where because everybody had moved to notice that they no days off. Yes, they wanted to do it when they travel, what have you. But sometimes it's not an Equinox club and there's not yet an Equinox hotel. And so now they want the digital complement. And, and, and so it, it's still the same theme, but now we're going to make it more easily available to you wherever you are and, and, and however you want it. And so if you want to stream an Equinox class, you better do it on your iPad, your phone, or our, and our at-home bike, our SoulCycle at-home bike. You know, but if you want to physically do it, you, you know, but what's going to happen is in our world is, you know, there's so much proliferation, and I'm sure you're looking at it from an investment perspective and all the digital fitness stuff. The fatigue is kicking in big time. There is definitely going to be a couple of winners out there, but the fatigue, and the reason why is people want their community and, and they want the connectivity. I'm not talking about physical, digital connectivity. They want the connectivity. They want the expertise. They want the live experience. So I think what you're going to see, and I think this is where one of the ways will be a big winner, and, and, and once again, COVID is accelerating this, but we were anticipating this before, is that is the physical and digital in an omni way complementing each other Right. But making it seamless and frictionless for you to go back and forth. And that will take some time, but that's where it's headed. And it, it feels like when you said people are, it's going to be too much, right? Just working out in isolation. I feel like, you know, th this experience of the pandemic has thrust everything into our homes, right? So we're now, children are getting educated in their homes. People are going to college in their homes. You're working from your, from your home. You're, you know, doing your fitness class in your home. And there's this loss of intimacy, there's this loss of ritual, there's this loss of place. And when you think about, you know, what fitness looks like for the typical consumer in 2030, like, how do you think about the breakdown between space and what's that connectivity between space, that, that, that environment that you've curated to be around wellness and fitness, and like, um, what they're doing in their own homes? Do you think, as some people envision, you've seen, you know, uh, Mirror, right, got acquired by Lululemon, and you're seeing Peloton obviously grow very, very quickly. Do you think that 
there's an over rotation towards digital. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, very much so. So I think it's, I don't think digital is going to go away. So I don't want to suggest that. And, and there will be some winners and uh, Peloton clearly will be one of them. But, but I think what will happen is that the consumer is going to want the compliment. It's it just like what's happening in retail, right? I mean, the, the, the explosion of e-commerce to some extent is overstated. I think the stat is something like 12, 14% last year e-com sales, and next year they think it's going to be 20-ish percent, maybe 25%. That's a big d double, but I mean 75% of, of sales are still coming physical. Right. And, and, I, and I think that that's going to be even more true in what we do. You know, I don't, you know the 1% can have a fancy home gym, but most don't have that with all the bells and whistles. And to your point, it's an isolation. We want to be with other people. We're social creatures. We've had this whole conversation that during the pandemic, as we've opened up locations with bars closed and nightclubs closed, we're going to probably be even more of a social hub. Yeah. And, and you've, you've talked a lot about um, that trend, obviously, in retail, right? That omnichannel trend that as consumer choice has exploded, as consumers want so many different brands and products, the, the criticality of having that way to like experience a brand and integrate yourself into that brand and understand that brand's ethos is even more important offline. That um, kind of like I was saying about your gyms, someone described Omnichannel to me as like, if you think about a brand as a religion, every religion needs a church. It needs a physical place that, that has ritual to it, that has intimacy, that has touch and feel. And I think it'll be really interesting to see like how wellness kind of broadly plays into that. Um, because I think, Equinox's vision is more than just fitness. It's really a, a well. Yeah, it's very much about lifestyle. But go back to the question you were asking is if, if today or pre-pandemic, 95% of fitness was physical and 5% was digital. And I'm not saying that's the, those are the numbers, but it was probably somewhere like that. You know, maybe it stabilizes at 85 and 15 or something like that. But as you just referenced, people want that church. They want, we, we all know this. I mean, you go in, we've done a phenomenal job with virtual personal training. I mean, phenomenal. I mean, we stood up a business overnight that didn't exist pre-pandemic. We've had 75% of our trainers using it. We're doing thousands of sessions a day. I mean, it's really been a great success story. But when we've reopened clubs and people go back and can touch a full set of kettlebells and be inspired by the person to the left and the music and the support system that comes with it and the whole environment, Everybody's like, this is what I was missing. And so yeah. I think what happened is we're all busy. We are working from home more frequently. That's going to change, even though we're going to go back to the office. I think there'll be a, a balancing there. We will travel again, but a lot of people are going to want what we do, not just the fitness, but the wellness part of part of their daily routine. And it's only accelerated. And so, you know, one of the big trends coming out, out of this is the, you know, increased demand on fitness and wellness and mental health. And, you know, we're extremely well positioned to, to take advantage of that and be, be that platform that people want to participate in. Well, Harvey, this is always, as usual, so interesting to talk about, you know, all these trends we like discussing, like this concept of, of fitness and wellness and what brand means to that and how that intersects with, intersects with Omnichannel in a, in a you know, post-COVID world. Um, I agree. I think Equinox is so well positioned. Like personally, uh, I'm dying to go back to my Equinox. So um. 
we, we want you back. But if you think about the world where in the future, you wake up to a meditation through the app. You then may take your virtual class in the morning. If you're someone like yourself, you might do a double and then go physically into the club in the afternoon. You know, we might talk about what to eat that night. When you start moving back and forth physically and digitally, capture you in Seoul the next day, we might say, hey, Brandon, you for the last four days, we've watched your activity, great job, but you really need a recovery day. And here's how you should be thinking about recovery. And when you start thinking about it that way, that's the seamless, frictionless, omni experience, which I believe for what we do is, is the future. And that's what you know, people should look forward to from us. And it's that one brand you trust to give you that guidance, right? Around Correct. things related to your health. Um, Correct. And of course, product starts playing a part in that. And right. there's different types of products, right? Yeah, like everything from food to apparel to the mattress you sleep on feels like it's all within that same aperture, right? It, it is correct. You want that trusted brand to tell you with confidence and with authority um, and that you know and have an intimacy with, like, this is good for you or this is not good for you or here are my recommendations. That, that seems so powerful in terms of what that can do about just changing health, right? Like broadly across the society or across the city. Correct. And so that's why, look, that's why I even think you see big players like Apple starting to jump in because, you know, their, their end game is to sell watches or devices, but they know that they want even that much more connectivity to their devices throughout the day. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm wearing this, but what I would love to get is a recommendation from Equinox about, you know, did I get enough sleep last night? And based on how I worked out yesterday or based on how many meditations I've done over the course of the week, what that means around lifestyle choices. I mean, to me, that feels like true omnichannel wellness. <laughs> well, Harvey, thank you so much for chatting. This has been so interesting. And uh, all the best of luck with that big vision. Thank you, I appreciate that. All right, thanks, Harvey. Good talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fly on the Wall. All of these episodes and more are available on our YouTube channel. To learn more about Fifth Wall, visit our website at www.fifthwall.com.